she took Deborah and Bill Jr. to see the bathroom where Lee's baby powder covered the floor and in the powder, this is so scary, in the powder were spots that looked like footprints. Wait, Did you that? see that? <gasps> what? Yeah. What is this? What? Oh my gosh, what's going on? This is the part that's scary because nothing's happening. Oh! <laughs> Oh my gosh. No. No. That was scary. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. Hello. Hi. It is officially October. It is the scariest month of the year. It, that it's definitely the scariest month of the year. I'm so excited Are about you? October. I am. This is like such a spooky, fun month, and it's also <laughs> sweater weather. <laughs> Not here, man. It sucks because if you look out of the window, it's starting to look like fall. Yeah. But as soon as you step outside, you're like, oh. It's so hot. <laughs> it's still no. like upper 80s. What? Mm-hmm. That's terrible. It sucks. That's terrible. It's the demons. They're, it is they're the like, demons. They're heating it all up. <laughs> they're making I, it warm. It is. Yeah, that's that's what's going on, and it's terrible. I, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt in October, and that's not right. Well, apparently it's supposed to get to 80 today, so... <laughs> I'll probably be in shorts. Probably. I probably. speak the English. I speak the English so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, and I'm a summer baby. Like, I love summer, mm-hmm. but even I'm over it. Yeah. I'm just over the rain, and I'm over the mosquitoes. The mosquitoes. That's what Marley mosquitoes. calls them, too. They're just the worst. Yeah, we're going to have 91 degrees this week. Nice. Our lowest high is 85. That's a bummer. Mm-hmm. That's not. Sure is. Not it's cool. not fun. I think I knew that because for some reason I still have Atlanta in my weather app. And you want to be here. That's uh, most of the time, yeah. I think <laughs> Thursday is the highest. We're getting to 84. The rest of the week's going to be in like the 70s. So I won't complain. I won't complain. Also, I'm just excited that it's October because now this, like, all this stuff, this whole researching and, like, ghosty stuff, it feels a little more normal. And it's a little bit more acceptable for me to talk about. It's also easier. <laughs> Have you noticed that? It's I've, so I've much noticed, easier. like, as soon as I Google anything, it's like, here's a million and one resources for this yeah, because like, happy Halloween, folks. Thanks, Google. Thank so you. So maybe we just need to take October and plan out our content for like, the whole rest yes. of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Since it's just, so readily available. It's just there. It's yeah. just there. So much of it. It is easy. Though, I will admit, uh, we have lists, guys, if you didn't know this. We have lists of stories that are mm-hmm. kept in a spreadsheet. Did you happen to see my notes on my stories? <laughs> or no. on my list? No. So I researched a couple of stories that I had on the list, and they and I was able to, like, debunk them pretty rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> so they got crossed off the list, and I was so annoyed by Because I, like, stayed up late researching because I didn't want the kids to stumble upon what yeah. was a horrific story. 
And then to find out, like, the people came forward and they're like, ah, no, we just made it up. Like, and I was like, what? So I'm having the notes, like, I think originally I wrote, boo, you whore. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then I took took it off and said that they were losers or something. Yeah, so we make this list and I forget we have it. (laughs) I forget we have it, too. So I don't go look at it. But then when I do look at it, I'm like, I don't want to do those stories. I always find new stories. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of them I'll probably get to at some Eventually, point. One day. But I just, yeah, like some of them I'm just like, that doesn't sound fun. And honestly, some of them too, I'll see a mention of them online, so I'll write it down. But then when yeah. I go back to research it, there's not enough information about it to make yeah. it a like good story to tell on the podcast. So, yeah. you know. Yep, I had that situation where there were there was this like everyone was talking about this haunted place and it was like the same story, the same one paragraph story. Yes, literally like, the same. Like they copy and paste. I've like, noticed that. Really guys, really? That's not helpful. That's not helpful. <laughs> Your notes so. bogus boo. Double losers. <laughs> <laughs> I was really annoyed with that. I cannot stand when people sensationalize like nothing. They're like, well, we heard a creak in our house, so obviously it was the devil. Yeah, it's not like, definitely stop. not the house settling or the neighbors it's upstairs. The or No, it's never that stuff. It's never that. It's never that. Oh, guys, by the way, <clears throat> I'm Erin. She's Kirsten. Oh, yeah, that's who we are. <laughs> this is Girls and Ghouls. And we're Welcome super stoked. to our humble abode on Welcome. the iTunes. Yeah. Um, if you guys are tuning in, if you're listening, tuning in, like it's a radio show, if you're tuning in to Girls and Call 555-GHOST and tell us your story now. Tell us your story now. But for reals, if you're listening, do us a favor, screenshot your listening device app, Thinger. Mm -hmm. Thinger. Share it on social media and tag us at Girls and Ghouls, because we want to see that we're spooking you. Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, guys... We've been, like, going and growing this season. Y'all are loving this season. Yay! I'm so excited about that. Do we have new reviews this week? I don't know. I was just going to look. Oh, hey, good. Um, can we tease what we're doing for Halloween? Yes! Go ahead. I don't know how to tease it without telling them the whole thing. <laughs> Should we just then, tell them? Let's just tell them. Okay. So, we, we mentioned a couple episodes ago that because Halloween is on a Wednesday... We And this is our first time having a podcast during Halloween for Ghosty Stories. We wanted to do something extra special. So we're going to have an extra episode that comes out on Halloween Day. And Erin and I are going to be sharing the stories behind some of the most famous scary movies. And I am so excited. (laughs) Cannot wait. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's going to be good. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. We take nothing less than five stars. That's right. So five-star review. Leave us a review. Let people know that you're loving it. Let us know that you're loving it. That's how we grow, and that's how we keep scaring other people. Tell your ghoul friends to tune in. It'll be good. A good time will be had by all. Yep. Yep. I would also like to know, and you guys can pop into the Girls and Ghouls Facebook group and tell us this. What time of day do you typically listen to our podcast? Yes! This is a weird thing. Yeah. Like, our (laughs) analytics are showing us that you guys really like to creep yourselves out before bedtime. 
what's wrong with you? <laughs> we I research in the, in the middle of the day with all the lights on and the sun shining happily on my face. That's yep. when I research. Yep. Well, I, I mean, might do a little extra research in the evenings, but I try to do most of my research during the day because it creeps me out. Yeah. No, I get creeped out by some of these stories, too. So I do some research at night, but if it's like a particularly spooky story, I'm like, you know what? We're going to put a pin in this. I'll That's come right. back to it in the morning. Because <laughs> right. I sit there and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. What's that sound? <laughs> freak out. But apparently you guys don't have that issue because you guys are listening at midnight and two in the morning. Yeah. What is happening? What is wrong with you? Because I mean, if, if you that's your like, thing. Yeah. You know, have at it. We just want you to listen. We don't care when it is. I just want to know why. Why? <laughs> Do you why? like being, I mean, part of me likes being scared as long as I know it's safe. Like watching yeah. a scary movie. I love yeah. scary movies. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because I know it's just a movie. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind watching those at night in the dark and it's creepy and whatever. And like that sets the tone. But mm-hmm. I think the differences with what we're doing is that these are like documented stories that actually happen. Yeah, these are real. Yeah, and so I'm researching these things and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> like that oh actually happened to somebody and it's yeah terrifying. Well, that's why I had to stop listening. I, I used to listen to like uh, true crime podcasts while I would go on my walks and stuff. Yeah, and you're like, and I'm going to get my, murdered. <laughs> yeah, I sit there with my earbuds in and be like. <laughs> okay, I need to stop. So now I don't listen to true crime while I'm out on walks because I know I'm like, number one, I'm scaring myself. Number two, if there's something I've learned is that you be aware. Yes. Or you go and get murdered. Yes, that's right. So I don't get it. Yeah. I don't, I don't get know. it. You guys, you guys are weirdos. Are weirdos and, I love and it. we love you we so love much. You. <laughs> You're thank our you weirdos sure. and yeah, we love thank it. You. Yes. <laughs> thank you for sharing the weirdness. <laughs> yeah. Um. I also want to announce that I did a little um, tweeterness. Oh, that's right. I tweeted. She tweeted. <laughs> we tweeted. I don't really do Twitter, so I don't know how often I'll actually get in there and tweet, twit, do the twit, whatever it is. <laughs> I'll be oh a twit. God. I'm a twit all the time. Um, but we have a Twitter account at Girls and Ghouls on Twitter. I would love for you to pop in there if you're a avid twitter fan maybe pop in and share our account with people who like to get scary um i am gonna try my best to go in there and regularly share our episodes and talk to ghosty people and that sort of thing because here's the big thing Aaron and i love to do this podcast and we would love to be able to do it live in different cities across the country and in order for us to be able to do that we need more people listening and we need people telling us where we should go. So if that's yeah. something that, you know, cranks your tractor, if you want to have us on a stage telling ghost stories live and in person, we want to know that. And I know yeah. Twitter is a great place for us to find people like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to know, though, does, does Lonely Farmers use that <laughs> cranks your tractor? You want to find a lady that cranks your tractors? <laughs> Head to Lonely Farmers. Oh, it's not Lonely Farmers. Why it's Farmers Only. I don't know. Farmers you only. call it Lonely Farmers. That's <laughs> so funny. I don't know why I can never remember this. But yeah, it's so fine. we're You're tweeting. not a Lonely Farmer, so you don't need I'm to not a Lonely that. Farmer. It doesn't apply to me. <laughs> doesn't apply. 
I apologize if you are a lonely farmer. <laughs> don't go to lonelyfarmers.com. We don't endorse that website. I don't even, I don't know, even what that know that is. If that exists. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it I want to look be a really nasty website. I don't know. Are you looking it up? I'm looking it up because <laughs> I have to know. Uh, wouldn't it be funny if it redirected to farmersonly.com <laughs> because people think that's what it's called? That would be amazing. Oh, no, but it's for sale. Oh, well, so you can buy LonelyFarmers.com. It's on sale for $19,000. Hey, you know, sometimes you got to make big investments <laughs> for your dreams. i pull it out of the couch. It's fine. <laughs> pull it right out of the couch cushions. That's right. That was, by the way, my terrifying chore of the weekend. Cleaning out the couch cushions? Yeah. Like, twice a month, I pull out all the couch cushions and vacuum because of, like, cats and dogs and whatnot. Children. But I was, yeah. And I was really excited because I was like, I bet you there's some money in there. Because usually I find, like, a couple bucks and change and it goes into the change jar. No, I found two socks, a Tootsie Roll wrapper, and a dog bone. Oh. It was really scary, too, when I found that dog bone. Because <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I, like, oh. reached in and I was like, uh, with this, like, kind of squishy thing. Rose, because it's one of like Nyla bone things, mm. like the mm-hmm. not like an actual bone bone. My dogs don't leave anything behind that's food. Oh yeah, there would no, never be a anything. remnant of mm-hmm. anything. No, nope. <clears throat> it's funny though, because huh? Lily will take apples and bury them, and then bring them back in, and then bury them again. Really? That's the only food she won't eat. It's just apples. She'll steal them out of the fruit basket. Literally, and she likes to just bury them. And she'll bury them and then bring them back in. My mom's dog hides his treats. Hmm. And she'll go to bed at night and there's one like behind her pillow. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, man. And then he Dogs looks at funny. her like he's pissed off that she found it. Like, that was like, my spot. What? what the heck, woman? That's mine. How did you, how did you do this? Foiled again. <laughs> Magica. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Magica. So you ready to get scary? I'm ready. <clears throat> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Erin's okay. going first today. I'm going first and today. She had, she had a complex after the last couple weeks because all my stories were scary and she was I like, was like all lighthearted. <laughs> she's I was like, like, I have to get terrifying. I have to dig into the depths of my blackened heart and find <laughs> something good. <laughs> no, I. <clears throat> it is true though. I was. I, I definitely was like more lighthearted. But it is October. It's time to it be is, scary. It is permissible for me to talk about like horrible, terrible things. <laughs> and nobody can judge my sanity for this. So we're leaving the country today, which I cool. would be more excited about if it were on you know better circumstances. <laughs> But we're going to Jabatakabal. <laughs> I love your face. You were trying to be so serious. It's like, you know, I was going to try to skip this. Just skip it. But it's it's Jabatakabal. Where is Brazil. Brazil. It's in Brazil. It's, it's we're 200, going to Brazil. Yeah, it's 220 miles from the capital. Um, but we're going to Brazil. The year is 1965. So this actually wasn't super long ago. Right. Um, which makes this 
story a little bit scarier. So in Brazil in 1965, there was this very normal family and they moved into a very normal house in a very quiet neighborhood. That's always how it starts. It's always how it starts. Um, It was the family was, you know, mother, father, a couple of kids. And the oldest was an 11 year old girl. And her name was Maria Jose Ferreira. Have you heard this story? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Maria's the oldest of the children, and she's, like, just a sweet, quiet, good-natured girl, right? Everyone in the neighborhood knows her as being helpful and kind and all of that jazz, and they, you know, recognize the family as being this very respectable, well-to-do Catholic family. They are always helping other people. There's never any scandal, no controversy. I think it's important for us to start right there with this is, like, the most normal family ever. Um, But at some point during Maria's 11th year, stones and bricks started materializing in the Ferreira home. They would wake up in the morning and they'd find like large stones just sitting on the floor, which they chalked up to like one of the kids brought something in. I mean, they've got kids, mm-hmm. you know. Then they started finding bricks on the floor. So they were thinking, oh man, our house is falling apart. What's happening? So they go and they're like looking around. They have someone come out and inspect their house. The house is fine. Nothing's happening to their house. Um, Eventually, though, they witness the stones and the bricks actually forming in the air and falling to the ground. So these stones are literally coming out of nowhere. They don't understand what's happening. They're Catholic, so they just do what they do best. And they, like, you know, Hail Mary, pray, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, this will pass, right? Household items start to be smashed by these falling stones and bricks but they're not just falling at this point they're actually being thrown like flung across the room like they appear in one area instead of going straight to the ground they're like going across the room they're actually even going around doorways oh okay right this is the point when their friends start to get a little bit superstitious and they're like i think you have a demon in your house they don't think it's a demon they're just like, nope, nope, it's it's a ghost, it's a ghost, that's all. And they're actually not super concerned about it, but to be on the safe side, they, um, they have a priest come to check the house out, bless the house and all that, because if there is, and, you know, some spirit that hasn't moved on, they want it to, like, be gone, right? So the priest comes, and the priest witnesses the rocks flying and other objects moving all over the house, chairs sliding back and forth across the floor picture frames are being taken off the wall not dropping from the wall they're being lifted off the wall and then set gently on the floor which i think is i think that's more terrifying than them flying off the wall yeah because that's like uh, there's some semblance of control in this right yeah for sure so not only does the priest put that on record that he sees these things happening but he also says that Despite the fact that he's in the house alone, he can hear voices everywhere, Mm -mm. all over the house. And he decides that he should just do an exorcism 
and a cleansing of the home. So he does the whole ritual. He, you know, anticipates that that's going to help. But as we've learned from previous stories, not all exorcisms work. And in some cases, exorcisms will make things a lot worse. Mm -hmm. For a little while, things seemed kind of normal. Things seemed to calm down. Um, But then it started picking back up. The stones and the bricks, they started picking back up, literally. And one of the neighbors of the Ferreras had noticed, he'd like gotten wind of this, and he wanted to come in and check things out. This man's name was Dr. Volpe, we're going to call him. I don't know how to say his first name. He was a dentist. Um, But he also had uh, studied psychic matters and was super interested in that sort of thing. So he goes into the house. He starts paying attention. He witnesses all the stones and the bricks being thrown around. He sees the, you know, the furniture being moved. He hears the voices. And he realizes that all of the disturbances, all of the activities are focused on one person in the family who was Maria. Now, Maria slept in the uh, servant quarters of this house because, I mean, they didn't have servants, but that's where she slept. And that activity tended to follow her wherever she was. No one had put that together till Dr. Volpe had uh, seen it. So he thinks that she's a natural medium and that she has, like, opened herself up somehow to um, invite the spirits that are unrest, pretty much, to try to reach out to her. And that because of her age, she's not able to communicate back or help guide or anything like that. So he says to her parents, like, hey, let me take her home with me. She can stay with my wife and I, and we can do the research and see if we can help her. And the family, because they've got other children, they, you know, and they're concerned about, like, what's going to happen to Maria. Also, what's going to happen to their kids. They're like, yeah, go. Take her. Which I, again, this is, like, parts of the story make me go, what? So they send their 11-year-old off with the dentist. Now, when she goes and moves in, at first, nothing happens. And Dr. Volpe is a little bit concerned. He thinks maybe he was wrong. He thinks maybe it wasn't her, that it was, like, the house. But after a few days, the bombardment of stones began. And stones start materializing in his house. They're being thrown through windows. Not only that, but we've moved from stones and bricks to eggs. What? <laughs> eggs, yeah. Eggs start appearing out of nowhere, and they're being slammed into walls and slammed into people. Uh, within a couple of weeks, he actually counted and collected all the stones, the eggs he got rid of. He had over 312 stones in his house within just a few weeks. Um, and these weren't all small stones. Like, in the in her house, they had been, you know, smaller size, not, like, almost pebble-sized. These were large. Um, the largest one was nearly nine pounds. And, wow. yeah, they watched it appear at the ceiling, and it slowly descended to the floor, and it then broke into two pieces before it hit the floor when it was about four feet above the ground, okay? So starts as one, breaks into two, four feet above the ground, and then lands on the ground. He picked up the two pieces, and when he picked them up, the pieces snapped together as if they were magnetically attracted to each other. Wow. Now, at this point, this is really all that's happening. We have a lot of this uh, harassment of, like, throwing the stones, moving the furniture. But Maria is, she's getting used to this kind of um, frenzied activity around her. 
because it's always happening around her. And and, and she honestly isn't, like, concerned. Like, she's not scared of whatever this presence is. Um, And, in fact, she gets the nerve to start talking to whatever is there. And instead of just, like, hey, how are you? Like, what do you want? Go away. You know, she asks it to do things for her. And one of the first times she asks for something, she asks for um, a smell, a sweet smell, and the whole house begins to smell like flowers. So she takes this as some sort of like power that she has, and she starts asking for more. And this is something that people in her town witnessed. Um, She would ask for a flower, and a flower would appear at her feet. She would ask for candies, and candies would show up in her room. There's one story where she was walking through town with her friends, and she commented that she wanted this brooch she saw in the window of a shop. And within seconds, that brooch appeared on her collar. What? Mm Mm-hmm. At this point, the entity is pretty kind, it feels like. I mean, there's even a story of when she was outside playing in the yard with some of her friends, sugar apples started falling from the sky on her. And they don't know why. And sugar apples apparently are like kind of a, you know, just a lovely treat for the children. Um, she kind of... She kind of made friends with whatever this spirit thing was. Mm -hmm. She never saw it. Or she never said she saw it. She just knew it was there. And eventually the spirit kind of developed a sense of a, like, like a sense of humor. And at one point in time, there's this one occasion where a stone appeared out of thin air and then bounced on the top of her friend's heads, just very lightly bounced. And all three of her friends said it felt like they were being hit by a ball of compressed air, not, not a stone. One day, though, the character of the spirit or the entity changes. And this is when they realize they're not dealing with a ghost. They're not dealing with a demon. But instead, they're dealing with a poltergeist, which is apparently a completely separate thing. Um, The poltergeist gets very angry and starts causing mayhem in the house. For three weeks, glasses and heavy flower vases were thrown around the house and shattered. Just nonstop. Anytime they would have any sort of glassware out, things would fly out of the cabinets. There are vases full of flowers. You know, they'd have them in really safe spots. They would literally be thrown across the room. Uh, All the tableware was broken. The furniture was thrown around, including a large sofa. And pictures were torn from walls and flung into other rooms. On one occasion, there were two witnesses in the house for uh, dinner. And a glass dish from the kitchen and a mirror from the bedroom cross. In midair, they are flying in midair. They cross each other before going into the other room. So they actually switch places. And two people that were there for dinner saw this happen. They didn't want to come back. immediately ran for their lives. (laughs) Right. So at first it was just the house that was getting uh, most of the force of the anger here. But then Maria herself became the target for vicious attacks. Uh, The poltergeist repeatedly bit her and slapped her on the face or her bottom, leaving bruises all over her body. People witnessed her standing there, and all of a sudden she would be, she would look like someone physically slapped her, like her body would react, and then she would have a handprint. Oh, my God. 
She would have bite marks all over her arms, all over her back, all over her legs constantly. The poltergeist threw chairs at her, a full-size sofa, picked it up and threw it at her. Um, and even a, a gas cylinder, which had been wrenched off of a wall. So it was like gas for like cooking, heating, that sort of thing. It had been yeah. pulled off of the wall and was thrown at her. When she would sleep, it would attempt to kill her by suffocation. Um, it would hold cups or glasses over her mouth and nostrils. She would have family or the dentist walk in and they would see that she would be struggling to get this glass off of her. And they would have to remove it from her because she would be held down with such force needles were found stuck deep into the flesh of her left heel oh my god even when she had shoes and socks on they would manifest in her foot it would be in the middle of school it would be in the middle of a meal it would be where she would be completely dressed one time 55 needles had to be removed from her foot at the same time they bandaged oh her foot because it was really messed up. It was badly damaged. They bandaged her foot, and then um, while she was wearing kind of a, a wrap on her foot, the bandages were ripped off of her without being untied. They were just ripped off of her body. This is not even the worst part of it. She goes through this for quite a while, for months just this sort of abuse and they can't figure out what's going on but things kind of come to a head on March 14th 1966 Maria was at school she's eating lunch and she caught on fire oh my god mm-hmm. her clothes caught fire and she caught fire they were able to find the the originating source and it was a scorch mark that looked like a cig uh, a cigar burn on that same afternoon at the exact same time the Dr. Volpez's bedroom burst into flames with no cause. So they realize, obviously, that whatever is going on is they, they can't handle like they thought they could. Uh, Maria lived with the dentist for about a year, um, and it never, it never like let up. It got worse and worse, and it was even affecting his home at that point. So he sends her back home. The family, who was now in terror, they're they're fearing for their daughter's life at this point because of all of everything that's happened, and they've determined that there's no one doing this to her. It's just happening. She was in the middle of a crowded lunchroom. There were teachers and staff and kids. No one could have set her on fire without someone seeing. Um, they get desperate, and they ask a psychic medium to come to their home to see if they could get some advice because they are just they're desperate. The medium says that the hauntings are being done by a very uh, powerful poltergeist and an angry one. This poltergeist is full of rage, but the medium said it was too powerful for him to help, so he asked if he could send Maria to a better medium, uh, a man named Chico Xavier. Maria was sent to Xavier's home, and he went to, uh, he just immediately wanted to contact the spirit right away to find out what was going on. The medium uh, went into a trance and started asking the spirit why they were so violent and so cruel to this innocent young girl. I mean, she's 11 years old. And the spirit communicates with him and says that Maria was someone that he had uh, an obsessive and angry grudge towards. And it turns out that 
according to the medium, Maria was in a previous life uh, an evil witch and had murdered this person and had done uh, and uh, murdered many people, honestly, through black magic and um, different like rituals, pretty much. And all of the, the main poltergeist had a whole host of other spirits with him, apparently, and they were seeking revenge on this girl. The medium continued his communication with the spirits, and he pretty much begged them to leave Maria alone. Maria had no recollection of this. She's, I mean, obviously, um, they said it wasn't fair for an innocent child to be punished for something that she, she wouldn't do. She wouldn't do, you know, that in her, in her life now. The spirits and the poltergeist were not satisfied with that. And they continued to torture her through beatings. Um, just the same stuff. Just psychological, emotional, physical abuse. Maria, at 11 years old, was so desperate for the attacks to stop that she took her own life. She poisoned herself with pesticides. They found her in her room, dead and the minute she died, they said that they could tell something had changed because the house changed, which is why they went to look for her. And the house had no activity after her death. That's no. so tragic. Mm-hmm. And that is the story of Maria Jose Ferreira and her poltergeist. Wow. Yeah. Yes. It's a short story, but... There's so much. I mean, this poor girl went through so, so much during her time. I mean, it, it why was insane. it nice to her first? Was it like setting her up for all the things it was going to do, you think? Well, from what my understanding is, is that she hadn't been open to the possibility of any kind of ghost or spirits or anything like that. She was Catholic. Yeah. And that's rule number one in Catholicism. You don't talk mm -hmm. to the dead. You don't get yeah. involved with it. So it was tempting her. Mm. This is what one of the one of the like stories I read said it was tempting her and opening her up to further communication. And when she got comfortable asking for things, she got comfortable having this you know quote unquote relationship with the poltergeist. That's when she was most vulnerable to being attacked by it. Nobody else was attacked by it, just her. Hmm. And then the doctor's room getting set on fire. Well, so, yep, that was that's 1960, awful. 1965 to 1966. It's one of the most. Um, it's it's honestly one of the stories that they they hate telling in Brazil, you know, and in that I area. I can imagine because there are still witnesses like alive that say like I mean kids that were in her school that did reports of like yeah and she caught fire. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yep. Doesn't this feel somewhat familiar? You've got a memory buried, a door closing on its own, footsteps down the hall, a whisper in the night beckoning you to come closer? Send us your paranormal story, your spooks, your ghost and unexplained encounters, and we'll read them on the show. Include your name and address for a very special thank you note from us. You can email those stories directly to us at girlsandghoulspodcast at gmail.com. All right, there's your homework. It's time to get scary. So well, um, fun fact, I also have a story of a poltergeist. 
Nice. This was not planned. <laughs> we don't we don't ever know what stories we're doing ahead of time. We don't tell each other. Oh my gosh. So um yeah. So let's That's do this. Crazy. Poltergeist it up. Two poltergeists in one episode. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Mine is actually a little bit more recent than yours. Oh, cool. Um, so mine is the story of the Moffat family poltergeist, which, Aaron, I'm pretty sure you've heard of. I know this one. <laughs> it's pretty creepy. It is. Um, the, the interesting thing about this story to me is who the family was. I know the Moffat name is not a big name for a lot of us, but that's actually the name of the younger couple. Mm-hmm. It's Deborah and Bill Moffat. Um, they dealt with this and whatever, but the, the people who were affected as well were Bill's parents, Bill Sr. and Lee, his mom Lee, and they were, Bill's father was actually part of the Cosa Nostra, which was a Sicilian mafia family in California in the 80s. So... This is not like just your normal Joe Schmo person saying this stuff's happening. Like, this is a very um, affluent family. Um, mm-hmm. Not in a good way, but, you know. <laughs> he, Bill Bill Sr. had some bad juju attached to him because he'd done some really awful things in his life as part of the Cosa Nostra. And um, <clears throat> his wife, Lee... Um, was a devout Catholic, and she mm-hmm. refused to divorce Bill despite all the things that he'd done. He would cheat on her. He was a drunk, you know, and, of course, as part of the mafia, there were probably a lot of really terrible things that he did that she knew about. But because of her Catholic upbringing, she would not divorce him. Right. Um, Deborah is the one who told the story in what I read. Like, she's the one kind of narrating the whole thing, and she married Bill Jr., Um, so Bill Jr., I just put this up front, he had a heart condition, um, that he dealt with his entire life. Um, and the things that happened didn't help. (laughs) I can Um, only imagine. Yeah. So they, uh, the whole family actually lived together. Um, when Deborah and Bill first got married, they met in 1986 and they got married in 1987 and they moved in with Bill's parents partly because of his heart condition. He wanted to be close to all of his family. Um, And they actually lived initially on a property that had three houses on it. But once Bill and Deborah moved in, they decided to sell that property in all three homes and buy a bigger home in a really nice area um, called Alto Lomo, Alto Lomo in California. It's, uh, I can't remember exactly what part of California it is, but if you live there, you probably know it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's so funny to me when I hear people talk about California, they know neighborhoods. It's not always cities, just different neighborhoods. I'm like, okay. So it's the Alto Loma neighborhood in California. They bought a nice home with a swimming pool, um, and all of them were moving in together. And Deborah and Bill were going to have the downstairs. Bill Sr. and his wife, Lee, were going to have the upstairs of the house. So things start pretty much before... Like, it's not even, like, a warm-up to anything. Things just start happening. Um, They're in the process of packing and moving out of their original property, and they started having things happen. Like, um, 
they were they were packing one day and they heard a really loud noise coming from the kitchen and when they went down to the kitchen the kitchen cupboards had been ripped off the wall oh my gosh i mean this wasn't something that was like we're gonna move objects and we're gonna just slam doors or knock on the wall like it's like it's pretty aggressive right from the beginning right holy cat um from inside of the house the windows and the wooden window frames were blown out of the house what (laughs) just like all in one fell swoop um this is really sad they had a pet dog that they kept in the backyard and one morning they found the dog dead he had been squeezed like pulled in between two very narrow fence posts oh um it said it was a four inch gap and he was like a pit bull German shepherd mix. He was a big dog and something had pulled him in between this gap and killed him. Um, so they're in the process, you know, still of moving out Deborah and her mother-in-law Lee. They went to the old house to get some of their plants. Um, and Deborah saw her mother-in-law physically lift off the ground as if something very large and strong had kicked her in the backside. Oh my. Wow. <laughs> so it's not a gentle, let's give you some sugar apples and make friends kind of thing. Yeah. It's not one of those, you know? Yeah. Um, they moved into their new house and things started happening there. A picture would be turned around backwards on the wall. Things would start moving around. Um, there were some random things. Um, Deborah said others, some things that happened indicated some type of intelligence. Um, items would get moved, doors would open and close, lights would turn on and off, the TV would change channels. Um, just, you know, kind of your typical paranormal stuff that you hear about a lot. Like that was happening in the new house while they're still trying to move in. And then the mirror writing began. That sounds promising. Mm-hmm. They started receiving messages written on the mirror in the upstairs bathroom that Lee and Bill Sr. shared. And uh, they would literally, like, Lee would go in and she'd clean the bathroom and she would hear something and turn around and there would be writing on the mirror. Like, a freshly clean bathroom. Nobody's there. She would turn around and there'd be a message. Um, the very first message said, no escape. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Um, then they started getting messages talking about burning. One of them said, talk or burn. Um, and they, and Lee being the devout Catholic woman that she was thought that this was her dead sister trying to communicate with her. I mean, what kind of relationship did they have? I don't know. But at first she didn't think it was anything negative. She was like, she's trying to tell me something. I know it. I just don't know what, to, what she's trying to say. Like she was just trying, I think at this point, to make some kind of almost logical right. explanation of what was happening. Yeah. My sister obviously wants me to burn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's saying her sister is burning in hell. I don't know. I have no oh idea. my God. <laughs> Who knows? You know, I have no idea. Um, And then they started having these images that would just appear and they would be like burned into the rug and painted on the walls over their headboards. And it was always the same image. It was a triangle with a tail. Almost looked like a hand-drawn arrow that you'd like kind of scribble on paper, right? You draw the arrow and like a squiggly tail. It was like that. And they would find these images all over the place. Mm -hmm. And... um, 
it got to the point where between the mirror writings and these images upstairs, it was always upstairs around Bill Sr. and Lee. Bill Sr. and Lee decided to move downstairs with Deborah and Bill Jr. just to see if it would stop or if the things would stay upstairs. Well, of course not. All of these things started happening downstairs now. So um, Lee seemed to be the target of a lot of this. Um, things would go missing. She would go try to leave to go to the store and her yeah. purse was gone. Her keys were gone. Her money was gone. Everything would just disappear. Her shoes would just vanish. Um, her clothes got destroyed. Like she'd go to get dressed and all of her clothes had been like, you know, shredded in her closet, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, so far, nothing physically touching her, but all of her stuff was affected. Yeah. Um, there was a crystal shop in California that Deborah found out about and she went to this crystal shop and the woman Anella who owned the shop was a well-known witch and Deborah went to talk to her. Um, Anella came over and she brought some ritual items with her to try to talk to or communicate with whatever this thing was. Mm -hmm. And she said initially she felt that the negativity stemmed from Bill Jr.'s heart condition. She thought for some reason it was related to that. Um, Which I don't understand. But before she could even leave the house, the items that she had brought with her vanished. They were gone. Um, Two other ladies were brought in to try to help. Deborah said, this was the only time I actually heard Prince. Booming laughter from upstairs reverberated through the house. He followed them through the house, terrorizing them. He slammed the doors behind them moved things in front of them, and when they entered the kitchen, he turned on all of the burners on the stove, making the gas flames burn higher than I had ever seen them. Oh, my gosh. So now they have a name. Prince is his name. Uh, They had a psychic come in who told them to leave the house the day before Halloween and come back the day after, so they did. When they got home, all the lights in the house were on. The living room was in shambles, and Bill Sr. and Lee's mattress had been slashed open. Oh, my gosh. Um, the mirror writing continued, and because of the dynamic of this family, they actually spoke multiple languages. They could speak Italian and Spanish, so they started communicating to each other in Italian and Spanish because what they figured out was the mirror writings seemed to almost narrate their life mm-hmm. in English. So they thought if they talked in a different language that it wouldn't be able to understand them. Well, if they spoke in Italian, the mirror writings would be in Italian. If they spoke in Spanish, oh. the mirror writings would be in Spanish. Oh. So that didn't help. Um, Lee had Catholic statues throughout the house, you know, the mm-hmm. saints and stuff. And she would get up in the morning and some of the saints' uh, heads and arms would be ripped off of the statues. Oh, my gosh. Um... Crows would amass themselves on the front lawn by the hundreds. They would just hear this loud cawing of the crows, and they look outside, and it's like that Hitchcock movie, Birds. They're just everywhere on the lawn. And then rats started showing up in the kitchen by the droves. So it was like this thing was giving them plagues almost. Yeah. Um, Deborah was about to lose her mind, especially when the rats showed up. So she... In, in her anger, without knowing what else to do, because at this point they called in people, nothing's helping, it's only getting worse, right? She runs into the bathroom where the mirror writing had been, and she's like, please stop putting rats in my kitchen. And it did. Oh. There was never another rat in her kitchen. So she's like, so I can communicate with this thing. 
okay, here we go, right? She's, right. she's like, it's listening to me. So in 1988, the family contacted a woman named Thelma Moss. She was the founder of the UCLA Parapsychology Lab, and she brought in a, a person named Carrie Gaynor, who was a researcher, paranormal researcher. And they held, they told the family to leave, and Carrie and Thelma did a seance. They performed a seance in the house. Um, and they had a medium with them who tried to contact whoever was in the house. And Deborah said that um, supposedly they did make contact with a spirit. Um, and it spoke through the medium. And the spirit said it was the brother of Deborah's grandfather. It seemed that Deborah's grandfather had been responsible for giving his little brother a bath one day when tragedy struck. Somehow the boy had drowned in the tub. The spirit said that it was tormenting our family because it wanted revenge against me. Oh. Funny thing, though, at no point during this five and a half plus year period of craziness is Deborah the target of anything. Hmm. It's always Lee. So either the medium misunderstood or they made it up or whatever, but that Deborah was like, that it doesn't add up, you know? Right. So being in California, there's a lot of Native Americans in California. So they actually contacted a Native American shaman named Red Wind, and he brought another shaman named Fire Panther over to the house. Deborah said, quote, uh, Right before my eyes, I watched as the pink insulation on the inside of one of the walls slid off and formed into the rough shape of a huge head. It was at least five feet tall, but only a head formed. Oh, my gosh. As it became more defined, we could see that it had a very large chin, a large, strong nose, high cheekbones, and where an ear should have been, a circular horn began. The horn made a circle on the side of the head and then curved over the head and past the forehead. Oh. Deborah saw this. <laughs> um, Fire Panther, one of the shamans, said that he put the entity into Bill's dog. They had a different dog at this point. Um, who soon thereafter became very ill and died. Oh. Um. And they were hoping that that would be the end of it, but of course it wasn't, or yeah. I wouldn't have a story to tell. Um, late 1988, the family contacted a trance medium named Brian Hurst, who, when he came to investigate, he's like, this is more than I can handle. I need backup. So he called in a guy named Gary. I never could find Gary's last name, but Gary stays with them for the remainder of this story. Um, Gary came in. He's a paranormal researcher. He stayed in their home to document and investigate the activity. Um, and he set himself up for failure because the very first thing he did was go, show me what you can do. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh. He was immediately struck in the head by, the, by a book. And for the entire time that he was with the family, he was mercilessly tormented. To the point that he lost half of his hair. He became emaciated. He couldn't keep jobs. Like, nothing. He was tormented. Oh gosh. From henceforth onward. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, the family then decided to reach out to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. Um, when Deborah made the phone call to talk to Lorraine, 
She said that just making that phone call apparently did something to this entity because that night um, they had a torrent of water rush down the staircase. They couldn't find the source of it either, but it was like a waterfall just coming down the staircase. Deborah went to the mirror and she screamed for the entity to stop the water. And she said it was as if a switch was suddenly turned off. We spent mm. the next five hours using mops, towels, and wet, wet vacuums to sop up the water. Oh, my goodness. The Warrens came in February 1989, and Ed performed the rite of provocation. During this rite, Bill Sr. became possessed for a short period of time. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So his left arm slowly curled up toward his chest. His back started to curve forward and his head rested on his chest. And he stood up and started walking toward Ed, dragging his leg as he went. <sighs> like a zombie, almost. <sighs> yeah. Slowly, Ed held up his fingers with a small piece of wood, thrust it in front of Bill Sr.'s face and said, You can't hurt me. This piece of wood is a holy relic and it protects me. Bill Sr. looked at him in the face and said, I will bite off your hand, chew it, and that piece of wood, and spit it in your face. Oh, my gosh. And then almost immediately, Bill Sr. got silent, sat down, and he looked around like he didn't know what was going on. He didn't remember any of it. Oh, my goodness. So... Lee was the only one who was a devout Catholic, but she was not going to Mass. The rest of the family wasn't really all that religious, so they right. didn't have a church to go- contact. So the Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren arranged for an Episcopalian priest to come in and perform an ex- exorcism. Bill Sr. adamantly opposed this idea because he was raised Catholic, and he's like, right. I'm not having an Episcopalian come into my house and do this. So <laughs> we'll that was canceled. That was canceled, and the Warrens told them, we're sorry, there's nothing else we can do. So they left. Oh, my um, Deborah got interested in this symbol, and she wanted to know what the symbol was, so she went to a metaphysical bookstore and talked to the owner, and they found out that this triangle with the tail symbol is a symbol of demonic entity. It's of a course. demonic symbol. Um. The mirror writings continued. The attacks on Lee continued. At one point, Deborah found her mother-in-law locked in the pantry, crying and rubbing her neck. Um, Deborah went to the bathroom to speak with the entity. She said, I told him that I would treat him with respect and that he would treat me with respect. He was not to touch my child, my husband, or Lee. When I returned, the entity had written on the mirror, I will not touch the child. I will not touch your husband, but Lee belongs to me. Oh, my gosh. So, time's passing. Things are still continuing. They decide to take a weekend getaway to Victorville, California. Deborah woke up Sunday morning to the sound of pounding on the cabin door, and it was her mother-in-law. She was frantic. Um, she took Deborah and Bill Jr. to see the bathroom, where Lee's baby powder covered the floor. And in the powder, this is so scary, in the powder were spots that looked like footprints. Oh. The heel looked like a large semicircle. Where the toes should have been were only small marks that looked like claws. Oh. There was nothing in the space left between heel and claws. They were considerably larger than a normal human footprint with a length between prints suggesting a long stride. Oh Think of your vision of a demon. 
Like, think of, I don't know. Like, in my mind, I'm picturing, like, this demonic thing with the long tail and the, like, yeah. talons. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Freaky, freaky. Okay. Ugh. Deborah refused to call it by name, so she called it Mr. Entity instead of Prince, which I think is kind of funny. Hey, Mr. Entity. Let's have a conversation. Um, when they got home from this trip, she started finding notes on the mirror every day that were counting down the days to Lee's death. Ten, nine, eight, seven. On the final day of the countdown, Lee became violently ill and was diagnosed as double pneumonia and cognitive heart failure, and she was in the hospital for more than a month. Oh, my god! Like, all of a sudden. Um, Bill Sr., at this point, had gotten to where he was like, this is insane, it has to stop. He wrote on the mirror, God protect us, in all caps, and the entity scratched out God and wrote Prince. Ugh. On April 23rd, 1989, around 3 a.m., Bill Sr. woke up, and he felt something cold on his leg, and Deborah said that they found a dagger made of dark metal just laying on his leg, like somebody just placed it there. She went to the bathroom to talk to Mr. Entity, and on the mirror it said, I want a blood ritual. Oh. Um, he then told Deborah through the mirror writings that it was a spearhead, and he gave her instructions on how to do the blood ritual. And she told him that under no circumstances was that going to happen. So she and her husband, Deborah and Bill Jr., took the spearhead to the Museum of Natural History in L.A., and they examined the spearhead and told them that it was from the Belgian Congo in Africa. <laughs> he marveled at the fact that it was obviously over 200 years old, but showed no signs of deterioration. Oh, my gosh. Um, at this point, through different mediums and different people who had come to help and different things that they had been told, they actually started to suspect Bill Sr. as being the one provoking the entity, yeah. even though he was denying it. And he was possessed earlier, too, remember? So mm -hmm. it's very possible that something stuck around. Mm -hmm. So they were told by a clairvoyant at one point that the reason the entity would not leave is because one person in the house was making it stay. And mm -hmm. so at this point, they're like, is it Bill? Is it Bill Sr.? Is he the one making it stay? He's attached to it at this point, you know? Because, I mean, if he's possessed... Right. You yeah. Know, whatever. So... um. Their buddy Gary came back to stay with the family at this point. He decided to just move in and stay. Um, and they were friends with him at this point, too. So they were like, yeah, come on. Um, months passed. The writings continued. This was a very long story, so I'm trying to condense it. Um, they had a whole bunch more people come in at different times. Nobody could help them. Um, Lee finally recovered enough to come home. And the attacks began again on her. She woke up one morning and she said she felt as if she had been glued to the bed and she couldn't move. The next morning, she physically was glued to the bed. Oh, my gosh. They had to peel her out of the bed. Oh, my gosh. So this thing's got a sick and twisted kind of humor now, too. You yeah. know? Um, the old family dog was found at the bottom of the pool. Mm. And the entity claimed its death on the mirror, saying it put the dog out of his misery and would do the same to Lee. Hmm. 
Um, from January to March of 1990, Lee was hospitalized several times. She would become so inflamed that they had to, at one point, cut her wedding ring off of her finger to keep it from cutting off the circulation. Um, she was severely allergic to aspirin, and aspirin would just appear in the foods that she ate. Oh. Um, at one point, they even, uh, Deborah said that they, that Bill, um, Sr. and Deborah, they went to the grocery store and they decided to buy a chocolate cake from the bakery. And obviously, you know, it was made at the bakery. It was put in the box at the grocery store and they take it home. And Lee was very excited to eat some chocolate cake. And when they opened it up, it was sprinkled in aspirin. Oh, my Like gosh. the dust all yeah. over it. Um, so, shockingly, Deborah found out she was pregnant again. Through all of this. Um, And on the mirror was a note that said, congratulations, you're having twins. At a sonogram, she later found out that she was indeed having twins. Oh, no, 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 (laughs) no, 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 no. They went on a trip to Arizona. Bill Sr. started acting strange. They heard a very strange sound. And Deborah and Bill Jr. went to check on him. And they found him sitting on the edge of the bed Head thrown back, howling like a wolf. Oh, normal behavior. Yeah, you know. Deborah reached out and touched his shoulder, and he kind of woke up, and he just laid back down as if nothing had happened. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, the entity started using the telephone to talk to them. He would make prank calls almost. Lee had a lot of hospital visits and doctor's visits, and he would be the voice of lee calling the doctor canceling her appointment so she'd get to her appointment they're like but you canceled miss moffett just you know you called us we talked to you and she's like nope um they would get phone calls um from like plumbers and stuff saying they were going to come fix the leak and they had not called about a leak and then they would find a writing on the wall that said it was me like he's just pranking them now constantly they would hear voices from all over the house that sounded like somebody that they knew, like, in the family, and nobody was there. So it's imitating their voices now. Right. Um, again, the entity demanded a blood ritual, this, say, this time saying the spear should be pushed into Gary's heart oh. to draw the blood. They, he wanted to physically kill Gary, and he would go away. And, of course, they weren't going to do that. Um, at one point... They found a message on the mirror that said, Bill is me. So now they're really starting to worry that Bill Sr. Yeah. <laughs> has <laughs> something like, uh, going on with this thing. Yeah. Um, so Deborah decided to go talk to this thing, Mr. Entity, and tell it to do to Bill Sr. what it had been doing to Lee. And it did. His <clears throat> money would go missing. His clothes were destroyed. He woke up one night with the floor covered in water and the tip of his electric blanket laying in the water. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Finally, Bill Sr. goes to therapy, and he's like, there's this demon trying to kill me. And the therapist is like, yeah, you're going to go to a mental hospital, buddy. And so she puts him in a mental hospital for two weeks for evaluation. And while he's in there, he tries to convince them that his wife, Lee, is the crazy one. Mm-hmm. And they go to pick him up, and the doctors are like, hey, Lee, we, you know, based on what Bill's saying, we probably need to talk to you. And she was so enraged at what he had said to them about her that she refused to allow him to come back to the house. 
She was like, that's it. I'm done. You've cheated on me. You've been an alcoholic. And now you've, you're doing this and telling people that I'm crazy. I'm done. So she refused to let him come back home. Yeah. And the family noticed that while he was gone, the tension and the aggression in the home was less. Like it was still there, but it was significantly less tense and less heated when he was gone. Um, Since things had calmed down quite a bit, Gary decided that he was going to go start a new life in New England, and he told the entity to go with him. He was like, just leave this family, come with me. And the entity wrote on the mirror, I want to stay here. (laughs) So... Gary's getting all of his things ready, and on the night before his departure, there's a new message on the mirror that says, I am ready to leave here when you are, Marcel, and that's the name that he would use for Gary, because he said that Gary was from, you know, his soul was from another life, and he was Marcel. Um, We now go on with our life. You are now mine, my servant. Oh, my God. After Gary left in an airport shuttle van, Deborah went to the mirror and saw written in large letters, Goodbye, my family. Oh, my gosh. She said, aloud, I said, Goodbye, Mr. Entity. And that was the last time she ever spoke to him. Oh, man. Um, That was the end. Um, Bill Sr. eventually died in 2007. He never did return back to the family home. Lee died of natural causes in 2009, and Bill Jr. gave in to his heart condition, dying in 2012. Gary lived in New England, um, and Deborah once heard that he had moved to England and then Spain. She said shortly after he left, he told me that he found the triangle with the tail carved into his apartment door, but after that, he refused to talk about it and denied entirely that Mr. Entity was still with him. Oh, my gosh. And that, my friends, is the demon poltergeist of the Moffat family. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Ah! on, oh. Satan! Begone! <laughs> ah! So, um, Mr. Entity was not nearly as violent yeah. as the one that plagued poor Maria. Yeah, but I mean, but kinda. <laughs> it's creepy to me that he was intelligent and like he knew before Deborah did that she was having twins and he could mimic their voices and yeah, he could speak like multiple that. languages and it's just creepy. Oh, the intelligence gosh. of it is what scares me so much. And that yeah. he listened. Like he almost befriended Deborah. Oh, you gosh. know? Like she's the only one he would listen to. And I didn't write it down because this was such a long story but yeah there was even mention of the entity calling lee by a different name because she too was supposedly a witch in a former life mm-hmm. so yeah oh my gosh um, that's crazy yeah if you guys want to look this one up there's more to this story i just didn't have time to cover every single detail there's even some funny stuff that the demon wrote in the mirror about people's sexual parts. <laughs> Very mature poltergeist. It really was. It was, yeah. It made me laugh out loud when I was researching it. Oh but my gosh. Um, I kept that part. I kept it out. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like racking my brain though because I swear in season one, you did a story and one of the demons in the story was named Prince or referred to himself as the Prince. Hmm. 
What did I, I cover was... in the Begone Satan one? That was a exorcism, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was an exorcism. But I swear there was a prince in season oh. one. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at my notes. Maybe it was, maybe it was the one that I did with the in Canada. I don't remember because they identified themselves as the prince. I don't know. That's creepy though. Yeah, it's creepy because that's you know, it's a prominent position. It's an authoritative, authoritative position. So yeah. Mm -hmm. But it also denotes that there's somebody above him. Mm-hmm. Which Satan? Ah! Mm-hmm. Be gone, Satan! Or is he the Prince of Darkness? Is it Ozzy? Was it Ozzy the he whole time? Ozzy the, the whole Prince of Darkness. Time. Well, he's got Robert now, so right, the doll. He's destroyed Robert. Okay. He. It's so funny. Do you, I don't know if you guys watch the show or not, but Jack and Ozzy's World Detour. It's a really great show. And it's funny because they always have to have, like, the captions when Ozzy talks because you can't understand him. But they bought a souvenir version of Robert the Doll, which I talked about in season one. And Ozzy hated it. Hated it. He was freaked out by it all the time. And he would always try to get rid of it. He buried it in the sand on a beach in Hawaii, and Jack found it. Like, he tried to blow it up all all the time and stuff. He'd run over it with the car and... All these oh things. It was gosh. funny. And eventually he did finally blow them up or something or rip them apart. I don't remember, but. Wow. It was pretty funny. So, uh, yeah. But isn't woo. Satan sometimes referred to as the Prince of Darkness? Yeah. I think so. And then the demon referred to himself as Prince, so. Yeah. Gross. I don't like it. Yeah. It's, it's like terrible. It. It's terrible. Terrible. I was looking at pictures of the the writing. On it's the creepy, isn't it? It's, it is creepy. It's almost like it's written on the backside of the mirror so that yeah. you can see it. Because, like, you can't wipe it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would just, like, like appear. I don't like that. That's not cool. <laughs> Did you see the symbols and stuff, too? No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> they... I decided to stop looking. <laughs> they found more images that were just symbols written oh, all over goodness. the walls and like etched into the floor and burned into the rugs and stuff. They would just manifest well, The resale themselves. value of that house was like. Burn it to the ground. Yeah. Holy cats. Yeah. I don't like that. I love when we do these stories, though, and it does tell you what happened to the house after. And they're like, they burned it down and then built a daycare center on top of it. <laughs> Here's the spot. (laughs) You know, it's always like some business or something like that that you're like, no, that's not what you do. Like the one that I did recently where they turned it into a dog kennel. Yeah, what the crap? (laughs) The screaming house. What the crap? Animals viciously murdered by an unseen force. We're gonna put a dog kennel here. (laughs) That's a smart idea. I don't I don't understand that (laughs) at all. Mm -mm. At all. Like, turn it into... Turn it into nothing. A nothing. That's what I was thinking. A nothing. Board just it like, up. Like, just lay wood beams across the ground and leave it there and put a big right. sign that says, this place is of Satan. Let him be. Let him be. <laughs> Please don't feed the Satans. Please don't feed the Satans. <laughs> Good grief. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. 
I also don't understand the people that want to buy these houses. They're like, yes, this is so spooktacular. Let yeah. me live here. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I don't know. Some people just are weird. They're so curious about evil. You can evil be curious that you don't, but that, you have to buy a house. And live but in yeah, it. but I think that's part of it. Like, they're kind of turned on almost by the potential. Ugh. By the power. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand like it. it. Nope. It's creepy. Nope. I'll talk about the stories, but I don't want to go to these places. Mm-mm. I don't want to deal, especially the demonic ones like these. Yeah, no. Like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't play around with demons. I'll go to the normal ghosty places, but I ain't doing, I'm not touching. Nope. Demons. We're not nope. going to demon houses. Mm-mm. Like, you couldn't pay me money to go to the screaming house. No, for sure not. No, you could, they no. could be like, "Listen, we'll set you up the rest of your life." No, nope. you have whatever you want. I'll say, you know what? I'll be poor. Yeah, you just let me be poor. Yeah, help me. There I'm is poor. no way. And what's Ugh. that one that you talked about with like the hole in the floor? Sally House. Maybe. Yeah. Yes, it was the Sally House. That place yeah. is messed up. Yeah, not happening. Nobody Isn't lives it? there though, right? Like that place has been condemned. It's- yeah, it's like abandoned. I think that you can go visit it. No, I can't. <laughs> well, you we can't. We're not going to, but I think it's visitable. Mm-mm. I don't know, though. I don't remember. It I shouldn't be. It shouldn't be because Sally, mm, if you guys haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to that one. Uh, Couldn't tell you what episode one. it is. I don't know I don't what know. episode it we is. We can put it in the show notes when show we find notes, out. But yeah. Just go <laughs> Just back go and listen, listen to, all to all of season one. Yeah, all of season one. There's good stuff. Woo! If you're trying to figure out where to go on your next vacation, we've got some Disneyland goodness for you. <laughs> I mean, no place is safe. Disneyland's no. not going to hurt you, though. There's just some cool stuff that happens. Like, you might even see Walt walking around. There you go. Or Disco Debbie. Disco Debbie. <laughs> some good stuff. So, we want you to subscribe to the podcast Give us a five-star rating and leave us a fantastic review and tell us how amazing and scary and truly terrifying these episodes are (laughs) and uh, what time you listen to them so we can laugh at you if you're one of these crazy people listening at bedtime. Yeah. Um, And then join the Facebook group. Yeah. Please do that because we really want to hang out with you in the Facebook group and that's where we ask you like what do you want us to talk about and what parts of the world do you want us to research for ghosty stories and here's a funny creepy video that we just saw of this story we told yeah we like to share share pictures and videos and stuff yeah yeah so So, yeah it's girls and ghouls on facebook just go find the group and join and get creepy with us and be one of our ghoul friends ghoul friends and that's it for this week that's it Stay, Stay away from poltergeists. <laughs> Stay away from poltergeists. Stay away from mirrors. <laughs> Just stay away from mirrors. Just <laughs> never not be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Girls and Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe to Girls and Ghouls on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star review or tell us how scared you were on social media. You can tag us with hashtag girlsandghouls or tag us at girlsandghouls. Until next time, stay scared, friends.